podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, I'm Sai and welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of the Danny Button Fight Show. Episode number 48, talking the latest MMA news, Bellator fights and the UFC card from last night. And we've got these two children joining us. But uh, you can subscribe to youtube.com slash Ace Podcast Nation, of course. And a big thank you to everyone who's done so, so far, because uh, we hit a thousand subscribers earlier this week, which is cool. Set was one of the long-term goals we set at the start, which was set nice to make it. And, of course, you can find the audio versions at all the usual radio podcasting apps. But, uh, of course, as usual, joining me is former Cage Warriors champion, UK MMA legend, Mr. Daniel Batten. Welcome, my friend. How are you? Yes, I'm good. I'm good. Good. Good week? Well, it's lockdown. <laughs> it's been... Dull, boring, frustrating. Yeah. It's been <sighs> shite, I think, is the word you're looking for, mate. It's been depressingly bad. But yeah. there was uh, some, good, some good fights last night to talk about. And uh, joining us, I'm thrilled to uh, welcome back professional MMA fighter, Richard Mearns. Oh. How goes it, buddy? <laughs> How are you doing? Should, How are you doing? Should, should, we, should we interest it? introduce you as the as the better moon's brother i'm not sure yeah the more no. handsome half of the two yeah, okay. yeah. there we go so i've been told. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um loads to talk about and we're not going to talk about politics because i'm sick of that shit um <laughs> first and foremost i think we're going to talk uh so uh zhang wiley uh, who had what is widely regarded as the best female fight of all time earlier this year versus uh, Joanna John, John Jacek. God, the bloody names. Uh, but it looks like she's heading for a fight with Rose Namajunas towards uh, the end of this year. I think that would be an incredible... Um, they always seem to put a big card on just after Christmas, don't they? Just in, sort of around New Year's Eve, somewhere around that. That... Um, that would be an incredible fight, Dan. Do you not think? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that that's going to create some attention because uh, the the thing is with some of the female fights, you normally get one person expected to dominate over the other, and, it, and it's normally the case. But um, I think that that's going to be that's going to be a closely contested bout. Yeah, and Thug Rose has uh, she's caused a couple of upsets before, but she's also been upset as well uh, mm. when she's been expected to win. And uh, obviously, Zhang Wiley was just, she's just uh, an incredible fighter and she can take some punishment as well. So, yeah. on, paper, on paper, it looks like a phenomenal uh, matchup. Um, not a great deal of news, really, this week. One thing which did perk my interest um, was the kind of Robert Whitaker and Dana White going back and forth a little bit, which we'll talk about in just a second. But, Richard, you would look forward to that uh, Thug Rose versus Yang Wiley. Massive. Uh, I think uh, Fog Rose is actually one of my favourite fighters. Like, I kind of get invested um, in fighters because of how they conduct themselves. Like, yeah, 
outside of the cage as well like you kind of get some kind of emotional attachment to certain fighters and, and mm. bugs are a definite fan favorite of mine um so you're a big I big fan of, of conor mcgregor and john jones then say again i said uh, you're a big fan of conor mcgregor and john jones then uh, i don't know like <laughs> yeah, I like the people's champs, the people's champs, Frankie yeah. Edgar, they're my heroes, um, and Rose Namajunas is one of those, um, Connor and John Jones are absolutely amazing, but yeah, I, I don't get mean. as excited to watch them, I mean, well, I don't know, I always get excited for a Connor fight, but you can't, you, I, I know what you mean, you more antics in, outside the cage, you know, yeah, it takes away from it, he's in phenomenal shape, by the way, I don't know if you saw his social media page this week, but uh, he posted some sort of training pics and stuff, he's in He's in fighting shape. I don't care what anyone says. He whether he says he's retired, that, I don't think so. I, uh-huh. he, you know what he's like. He's a, he's a businessman, and he? he'll just he'll tease everything and get the most amount of money for what he does. But he is definitely in uh, fighting shape. So it'd be interesting because he said he wants to fight before the end of the year. Dana White says he's retired, but then they keep talking about fights for him. I do you think we'll see him before the end of this year, Dan? I don't Fight think him. we'll see him before I don't think before the end of the year, but certainly. Do you like a January January January, February fight, maybe? Yeah, if he's in like this amazing shape, you know you know something's being spoke about that hasn't been announced yet. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him in January. Yeah, it'd be interesting where they go with them. Yeah, that'd be a great, great that. fight. I don't I want to see I'll it either. Fight. I want to see him fight Mansfield though. That's the yeah, fight, I think. That, that, uh, I want to see him in super fights now. I think we talked about this before, Dan. I'm not really like he's done it all in terms of title fights, unless like a mm. really uh, like a Khabib rematch, something like that. Maybe I just go with, but I'm not even sure I want to see that fight again. I'd rather see uh, a Masvidal fight or yeah. even a, a Diaz fight. I think yeah, that's I'll, the sort of thing which I think will. We, be better for we, I think the you know what we initially really want to see is two people doing MMA striking together. I think that's that's what we want to see. And Hilly even Poirier a Mas- do yeah, Sorry, even a Mas- Masvidal could uh, potentially take Connor down probably each round. Uh, I think he just wouldn't. I just think he'd want to want to put the maim on him or try to attempt yeah. to. I'd um, I'd yeah that Masvidal Diaz. Um, or Ferguson would be my kind of three, which I'd quite like to see Conor McGregor face. Um, yeah. But yeah, so after Whitaker won the other week, uh, he was asked about you know what he wants to do next. Obviously, he ranked number one, I think, and he said like I I'm not really interested in other fights. I'm only interested in Israel Adesanya. Then Dana White said pretty much the same. He said the fight interests him. And then two days later, they announced Black Blasiewicz versus. Uh, Adesanya with Adesanya moving up away. Um, and then Dana White basically implied that it was because Whitaker didn't want the Adesanya fight or he wasn't super interested in it. Um, I don't know. I like, I think Whitaker's in a bit of a tricky position because I think in some ways, Dan, people because he got beaten so comprehensively by Adesanya, I'm not sure if I'm ready for that rematch yet, but then equally. He was quite impressive the other week. And when you're ranked number one, the next step is to go for the title, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, norm- normally so. But, um, yeah, I-, I wouldn't mind seeing him just have one more fight before he thinks about going for the title. I know that might be counterintuitive of the position that he's in. But um, I think he's looked better and better each fight. 
Okay, he was uh, receiving some leg kicks in this last fight, but he adapted and changed his strategy like a seasoned mixed martial artist should. And, and he did, he impressed. But I just think one more would put him in, in then, good shape to really contend for that title. Yeah, I just realised, I, and I didn't just realise, but I just look now. Uh, since he's lost to Adesanya, he lost in October 2019. Since then, he's beaten Darren Till and Jarrod Kanye. So... I suppose from his point of view, he's you know I've beaten two guys comprehensively. I mm. want my rematch, but I think uh, from what I've read, it seems like the UFC uh, Richard would like to put Whitaker up against Costa, uh, Paulo Costa. But I don't know if Whitaker wants that fight because he's got his eyes on Adesanya. But ultimately, yeah. something which um, we're going to talk about a bit later about they've got these fights lined up whereby they've got Blauschewitz versus Adesanya in March. Then the winner of that's probably going to face John Jones. So that light heavyweight title is tied up. So they are going to have to do, uh, sorry, the, the light heavyweight title is tied up, but also the middleweight title is tied up as well. Because if Adesanya does win against Blauschewitz, then he's going to go on to that John Jones fight, which means Whitaker's got to fight someone next year. He can't just sit out and wait for the middleweight title holder to come back down. Do you think Paolo Costa is a good match for him? I think so. I mean, have they fought before, Costa and Whitaker? Um, I'm going to just check Because if not, it makes total sense to me. Uh, so we go. Um, but yeah, I think Robert Whitaker's, uh, like, those top four rankings is Adesanya, Whitaker, uh, Costa and Romero. I don't think Romero is really, I'm not looking at matching uh, Romero with Whitaker, so I think Costa makes the most sense. Mm. Um, it's a tricky one, Dan, isn't it? That with that because they're almost tying up the two titles, um, potentially all of next year. If you know, if Adesanya beats Blaschewicz, those two titles are tied up, no? Yeah, but uh, I, I mean, what? How is it standing now with two titles? I mean, whenever someone has two titles, they normally have to give up one for the other, don't they? Yeah, they normally have to give up one once they win them, don't they? They kind yeah. of move they can't, them. They're not letting them because they can't be active enough. So, mm. in which case, it would free it, free it up. So, I suppose um, it, if, if I would, so I would say wait on that Blasfitch fight and and see what happens there. Um, and if Adesanya wins that, I take it he'll be defending up there for a while because or fighting up there for a while because he's going to also want to chase Jones. That would make sense. In which case, you could have Costa versus Whitaker for the what will become the vacant middleweight title. So, if I was Whitaker, I'd just sit and wait on it and see what happens, see whether there's any shuffling about. If not, I, I, yeah. if I was Whitaker, I'd still fight Costa anyway. We've seen he's you know definitely beatable. Well, he got beaten pretty easily, but we can only credit really Adesanya's amazing uh, strategic plan for that one of the tactics. Um, I, I just think, yeah, I'd wait on it and sit on it. But fighting Costa, I think, something that I don't think he'll fear to do. I think he's more well-rounded than Costa is. Costa's just yeah, a, an, an absolute animal. If you back down, he tastes blood very, very quickly. He's got a, a, a very, very fast sense of when he's creating intimidation and he reacts to it. It's like a, it's like a, you know, a shark in the water that gets a taste of blood. That's it. They're on it. Um, but I, I just think that'd be a good fight. I actually think he'll beat Costa. 
Yeah, I do too. But uh, whenever you face someone, I've just looked now, they haven't fought each other before. Um, but the thing is, um, Richard, it's like if you fight someone like Costa, it's always a risk, isn't it? Because yeah. he can just bang you out. Um, look, I kind of agree with you, Dan. If Adesanya loses to Blausewitz, then you do Whitaker versus Adesanya for the title rematch. If he wins <laughs> against Blausewitz, you do it him versus Costa for the vacant title. That makes the most sense to me. Yeah. Um, and like you know, we're going to talk about those tied-up titles again a bit later on in the show. Um, the last bit of news which caught my eye, um, Richard, was that Darren Till has uh, pulled out of his fight on December. The, I've lost the date now, but I think it was December the 5th. He's supposed to be facing uh, Jack Hermanson in the main event. Uh, Darren Till, I feel like he needs a bit of a win. Um, he hasn't had the best of luck in the, the last... 12 months or so mm. and unfortunately he's had to pull out for it he says an under, undisclosed uh, injury and he, and now that main event will be Kevin Holland who's obviously fast on the rise um, are you disappointed first of all not to see Darren Till in December and what do you make of the replacement um, I'm not overly disappointed to be honest it's, it's, it's not a division that I like watch much like I, I'd appreciate all the fights when I see him and then I mean, would it not make sense maybe if Whitaker fights the winner of, of Kevin Holland versus um, Hermanson? That could be a... Could be yeah, a, it could be a, a, an interesting one. I um, mm. Kevin Holland, is uh, he's been impressive, I've got to say. Uh, Dan, what do you think of, obviously, first and foremost, Darren Till pulling out and then, obviously, you've got the replacement yeah, I mean, in Kevin Holland? Yeah, the, the fight world, that's just part of the... Part of the thing, you know, you can pick up these injuries. Let's just hope it's nothing too serious for him, but obviously enough for him to not be able to put the training in that's needed for the fight. Um, yeah, there, these things happen. So I'm not disappointed because there's so many other brilliant matchups, and Kevin Holland's a, you know, he's a great fighter and will put up a great performance up against anybody. So that, I don't think that's a disappointing replacement to watch by any stretch. No, I mean, Kevin Holland's on a one, two, three, four, four, what, four, four, what, four fight win streak um, yeah he lost to brendan allen in october 2019 and since then he's beaten uh and he's finished all of them bar one which was the darren mm. stewart fight he's finished Hernandez, uh joaquin buckley darren stewart which he won by decision and uh charlie ontiveres most recently uh, in october 31st a couple of weeks back he's been mm. impressive and particularly impressive mm. on that halloween one um, I thought he was very, very impressive in that fight. To fight three months been, in a row is quite impressive, I think. Yeah, no. and I think part of that is the the kind of COVID era of stuff, isn't it? I think fighters mm. are very keen to keep fighting if they can, yeah. um, you know, and in, injuries permitting and stuff. Um, from Darren Till's point of view, you know, he's going to be de devastated to have had to, to pull out. Um, Obviously, since he beat Stephen Thompson back in 2018 in May, he lost to Tyrone Woodley, lost to Masvidal, um, finished in both of those. Uh, then he beat Calvin Gastelum via split decision, and then he lost by decision to Robert Whittaker. Um, so I do feel like he needs to get that run because prior to the Tyrone Woodley fight, he was on a six-fight win streak in just the UFC. One, well, one of them was a draw, so... 
but he was on a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven fight unbeaten streak mm. before the Tyrone Woodley fight. Then he lost again to Masvidal, which, you know, as we talked about with Masvidal, anyone can lose to Masvidal on, on any given night. Um, I just think he needs to get back that bit of momentum, maybe. Do you think, Dan? Yeah, he's only yeah, 20, 27, mate. Him and him and Holland, 27, 28. They're right in the peak of their careers. This, yeah. I don't think it's a case of having to worry about where they're going. I think it's just a case of getting that bit of momentum. Do you, would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, you know, I don't know. The advice I'd be giving him, or if I was actually sat in his position, I'd be wanting to fight someone more down the ranks that's you know keen to try to climb up. Um, and yeah, we a talked lot of, about that, didn't we? Yeah, about there's a lot of people that are. That are outside that top fifteen, or, or just breaking into that top fifteen, uh, top fifteen, that'll be really keen to take that fight on, and it opens up his options. You know, there'll probably mm. be at least three or four fighters willing to fight, you know, upper rank to try to get their ranking up and have a shot to nothing, um, and it gives Till a chance to 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 rebuild, which I think he really does need. I know mm. he's really really young, but you have to you have to get wins to stay in the UFC, and he hasn't had those yeah. of late. He needs to get back on winning ways. He's still learning on the job as well. You know, I think um, I think he came in with a certain skill set and a certain timing that people couldn't read, and he was pulling off the win after win. But I think he's been a little bit found out. So you have to add on to your skill set and bring new things to the table. So hopefully he'll adapt, change, increase his skill set so that he can keep himself relevant. And he's at that young age where you can take on a new skill set and, and see something a little bit new from him. Yeah, he's ranked. Uh, so Dan Till's ranked six. Um, right. Directly above him, you've got Hermanson four and Romero five. Then below mm -hmm. him, you've got Derek Brunson. You've got Kelvin Gastelum, obviously he beat before. You've got mm -hmm. Uriah Hall, Chris Weidman, Edmund Shabassian, uh, Omari Akhmedov, and then Marvin Vittori, Tavares and Ian Heinch. To me, yeah, that Ryan Hall might be a good match, you know. Uh, Uri yeah, a Uriah Hall or a Gastelum rematch, maybe. No, nah, I wouldn't want to see that. But till like, he's a, a, quite a fast starter, he just goes from the beginning, whereas Hall's a bit, little bit slow, um, but got the power. So that that would create still interest in people watching that fight because you've got one person who's going to push the pace, and then you've got mm. someone else that's going to sit down on his shots that can always create that potential knockout. So it's not like. It's not lucky. It's not fighting someone that's not got you know some dynamite in his hands. He's not taking an easy fight by any stretch, but that's one that's well within his reach to, to win if it goes to the decision. Um, so, yeah, that, that might be a good one. Richard, anyone from those rankings, either below or above, that you'd like to see Darren Till go with when he's fit? I think Uriah Hall. I think that'd be cool because he's coming off of his win against Anderson Silva, um, which is a good fight. There's yeah, a couple so of risky fights in that, as below him as well, mind, I think, as well. It, it, just because people are below him in the rankings doesn't necessarily always mean that it's like a, a tune-up fight, does it? Because yeah. I think Edmund Shabassian uh, and Mari Akhmedov could both give him some trouble with their their skill set. Um, mm -hmm. So for him, you know, he, I'm, and I'm sure he wouldn't, but he shouldn't look down the rankings and think... That's an easy way for me to get, uh, you know, to build my victories up, which I'm sure he wouldn't do anyway, you know, professional as he is. Um, one big name which we saw make his Bellator debut this week was uh, Corey Anderson. Um, what did you make of his performance, Danny? Yeah, he was really, really dominant. But, 
you know, realistically, what and who was he dominant against? You know, he, he's up against someone that's predominantly just a striker. He, he, he's small for division and he's, what, what 44 years old. Um, so, um, yeah. And put, down, it was all over. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, current, five foot eight to six foot three, there was, there was issues trying to get in close to make, um, you know, Melvin's striking relevant. And, and he's one trick pony at best in MMA. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, well done. You know, it does come with some certain dangers, but yeah, I mean, Melvin's way, way past his best now. Um, so, yeah, it's a great introduction for him, for, for Bellator. It's the start of a new story for him. Um, Corey's a lot, lot better than someone like Melvin. I think it was a little little give-me give, give me fight for him, a little welcome um, fight. But, you know, if you have a, actually have a look at that division, he's pretty much probably the number one contender for that title, skill, yeah. skill for skill. Um, but I'm sure they'll give him another little, you know, feeder fight first. Yeah, I, I can't really say much more about, about it, really. Um, yeah, I mean, the only way anything was going to go wrong is if he got clipped. Um, you know, Melvin would be on you. But, yeah, the main thing was to get the win, wasn't it? In his debut, yeah, um, just yeah. to make sure that nothing untoward happened. That's right. Um, it was a it was a payday, one that he didn't have to work hard in. Uh, Melvin was, did stay in it. He did roll over and, and just get defeated. So easy, he was in it, uh, ho hoping to get something off, but it just nothing arose for him. And I think a lot of it was, you know, the, just the size deficit that he was giving away. Yes, uh, Richard. Anything to add? Any? What did you make of Corey Anderson's Bellator debut? You know, what? I haven't actually seen the fight. I only saw a little bit on um, Instagram, um, but I think I feel like um, Melvin Manhoff. Um, I don't really like seeing him fight these days. Because he's a legend, if you know what I mean. Mm. And uh, I think he's going to, I don't know, he's maybe being used as a bit of a journeyman. I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, Interesting what they do with well, him next. Do you know why like he left for Bellator? Do you know why he made the switch? Uh, I don't mind. I'm just wondering because it looks like he was having a good run at the UFC. Like, I think it UFC lost, and then released it, prior, didn't they? Wins prior. Is it just money or? Mm. I think they released him. I'll double check now. I'm sure, Dan, do you remember if they... Uh, I don't remember anything. Just didn't sign a new contract. Yeah, yeah I mean... Corey, he requested Corey, it. Right, yeah. Corey's quite a, a quiet individual, though, isn't he? He's not someone that talks a lot. So I imagine any any issues of him with UFC will be kept close to chest. Yeah. But um, yeah. He, he obviously was getting other offers. Um, it was probably down to pay someone down the line because like, he don't talk it up in a massive way. Yeah. He's probably not getting as paid as some, uh, much as some of the others. And and now I think some of these wages are being, these white purses are being released. I think sometimes it's leaving a bit of a bad flavour in some of the other fighters' mouths and, and they're looking to move on to people who are willing to pay more. And uh, yeah, that yeah, uh, wouldn't surprise me that, that he's moved over for that reason. Um, and look, in that heavyweight, isn't he? Um, in that heavyweight division, Bellator's division is weird. They've got like there's some big names in terms of like you've got a couple of ex WWE guys, guys which would on paper bring in eyes for the kind of freak show factor, for lack of a better mm. term. But Corey Jack Anderson Hager. was caught, yeah, Jack, Jack Hager and, and um, Bobby Lashley, people like this, like it would bring eyes to it for the freak show factor. But someone like Corey Anderson would absolutely decimate them. Um, it would be very one-sided. And then I wonder, like, and I look at that Bellator heavyweight division, 
an outside of like maybe one, two, three. It's not. Um, it's not the same level as competition as the heavyweight division in the UFC. And like we've been critical of the heavyweight division in the UFC being not their strongest division. Um, is there anyone particularly Dan who outside of champion who you? Not really. I mean, like I say, you could you can throw him another bone just to, to, to bite on, just to make sure he's definitely got his foot in that door and feeling comfortable with the whole Bellator, Bellator sort of set up and that because it's definitely a lot different from UFC. Um, and, that, and then, yeah, he's got to be fighting for a title, really. There's nothing else for him in that division so, right now. Bellator's a funny old one at the minute, especially in those heavier weight divisions. Some of the lighter weight divisions, they've got, got some talent going on there from sort of like middleweight down, but this tells you everything you need to know about that division. Rank number five is Quinton Jackson. Um, yeah. yeah. What about Linton? Linton could fight him. Yeah, yeah, he could. Yeah, because well, yeah, uh, yeah, he's heavyweight. He's, yeah, he's yeah, heavyweight. Yeah, he's, I forgot about that. Is Matt Mitron the champion? Uh, the heavyweight champion of Bellator now? He is, isn't he? Um, I think, I think so. Um, yeah, he I, lost, though, recently, though, didn't he? He lost his last fight. Got knocked out. Yeah, Ryan got knocked out. Ryan Bader is because of course he is because he's um. No, Ryan Bader got beat though, didn't he? He lost to Wreckage. Yeah, I thought Bader was. Look, no, Bader. Bader, Bader, got Bader beat. had the two, didn't he? He had the light heavyweight and the heavyweight at one point. Ah, ah. Uh, <laughs> wait, let me just check. Bellator's. Uh, website. Yeah, you're right. Um, no, he got beat so by Badim Nemkov. Oh, Nemkov, that's it. Not Rekesh, what am I talking yeah. about? Yeah, 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 that's it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's it. Yeah, no, he fights He fights like Rekesh. That's it. He's very, very similar style. Really good striker. Yeah, Bader got, got made to look a bit silly in that fight. Mm. Bader's website is really difficult to navigate. Like, you can't find out the rankings, you can't find out who's champion. And I think, like with UFC, you can go in, you can see the rankings, the champions. Mm -hmm. It's easy. Um, and I think that's something they do need to work on. You know, they're the second biggest MMA company in the world. And I can't find out who their current heavyweight champion is. That should be like one. Yeah. I, I've, not, I've not been very impressed with Scott Coker's arranging with the uh, the whole Bellator affair. I don't think... Do you feel it's like moved it's, up in. it's like a, almost a become like a like a freak? Not I don't not freak show because that gives a disservice to the fighters, but it's very they much do like circus fights, tired. Though, yeah, yeah, circus fights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's still like a, a real promotion and that. But yeah, you're right. They do put on some of these. You know, we're calling it circus fights, which actually could sometimes drum up some kind of interest yeah. um, from time yeah. to time. What but, um, it, it just seems to be a pre pre retirement show. It's where yeah. fighters go when they're getting long in the tooth, um, yeah. and you might get to see that. You know, every now and then you're treated to that matchup that never happened when they was in their prime, but it can happen now when they're out their prime. Mm. You know, that's sort of like the best it's become. And I just, I think it's a bit of a shame. I think Bellator was better than that back, sort of like seven eight years ago. <clears throat> yeah, um, got so yeah, I'm not. Into superstars, yeah. I, I just feel like just, you know, I'm, I'm blaming Scott Coco. I mean, he's the sort of like the president of the yeah, he's the guy, you know, but um, it doesn't seem like he's putting much effort into you know, keeping it relevant and, and maybe bringing in guys like Brett Johns and Khabib's brother, who are obviously younger talents, top talents. Maybe that's a step in the right direction. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's some some younger, fresher meat. But I'm certainly, um, I'm certainly more interested in seeing those two fight than Quinton Jackson. I got to be honest. Yeah, um, yeah. So according to Wikipedia, which obviously can be wrong, but I think it's up to date. Heavyweight champion is Ryan Bader since January 2019. He lost the light heavyweight title to Nemkov in August of this year. Then you've got Gerhard Mousasi is the middleweight title because he won it the other week. Yeah. Uh, welterweight is Douglas Lima from October 2019. Uh, lightweight and featherweight champion is Patricio Free. But, uh, he's had the featherweight title since 2017 and he's only defended oh, wow. it three times. Yeah. Uh, and he's had the lightweight title since May 9th, 2019. Hasn't defended it. Uh, the bantamweight champions, Juan Achala. Uh, he's had that since recently. Uh, and then you've got the women's featherweight division is uh, Chris Cyborg and the flyweight is uh, Elimia Leigh McFarlane. Um, and she's defended it four times since 2017, in fairness to her. But yeah, I, I'm hoping that some of the more recent signings for Bellator is a step in the direction that they want to go in competing with the UFC for these young or peak fighters rather than the guys who've retired three times and they're just in it for a payday and, you know, like one last fight, if that makes sense. Mm. But we'll see, I guess. Um, so moving on, let's get to the, the UFC card from last night. Um, we're going to focus mainly on the main card, but there was one fight which I'd like to discuss with you, and that was uh, Max Griffin v... Ramiz Brahmahaj, um, mainly the finish. I thought the fight, it was a pretty good fight, actually. Uh, Max Griffin, I thought, won all three rounds uh, quite comfortably. But but uh, Ramiz was certainly game for it until, uh, what was it, two minutes into the third round. They were in a clinch against the cage. Uh, Max Griffin caught him with an elbow to his left ear. Um, there was a lot of blood and the referees stopped it. And uh, Max Griffin didn't really understand why at first. He took a step back where the ref broke it. And then you saw uh, Ramiz's ear was hanging off by like a thread. And uh, even Max Griffin gave out like a bit of a squeal. He was like, oh, he was shocked by it. But first and foremost, uh, Richard, what did you make of the injury? And... I'll ask you some further questions about gruesome injuries in a minute. But what did you make just, initially about injury? Just cosmetic damage. You don't need an ear. <laughs> I don't know. No, it was, it was grotesque. But, um, uh, like, he, you could tell he knew something was up with him because he was touching his ear when I was in the clinch. And uh, he mm. must have felt it, like, flapping in that. Because, like, you get caught in that in MMA. You just, you kind of deal with these things. But he, he knew what was going on. And I think when he stopped it, you know... Yeah, it was, he, knew, he knew something was wrong with the ear. Um, but I think it was kind of like, so they threw the elbow and it sort of dragged down the ear and it just, it literally tore it off the head. And I think the reason why it tore so easy is because of, he had a bad cauliflower ear. And when it all sets and goes hard, the ear isn't malleable. So it's not flexible at all. And then it can, it just gets pulled off. Like, but it's the first time I'd seen a, but something similar is when um, I think it was James Thompson got his ear exploded in a mm. fight. But that was a fresh cauliflower. When it's fresh, the blood's still in the ear and it's it's soft and warm and squishy. But when it sets, the ear goes rock hard. 
so uh, that, was, that was with Kimber Slice, I think it was, wasn't it? Uh, I think oh, Joe Thompson was yeah. yeah, and um, that, uh, that and also Sa- Sa- I think Sakuraba was the first person to have his cauliflower. Kimbo, Kimbo Slice one, like Richard just said, he popped though, didn't he? It didn't rip off. It just yeah, went, yeah. For it exploded. To pop, fresh cauliflower. So the ears, the ears yeah. has got to be fresh because we get yeah. cauliflower just, from training, and it just I don't, blood gets. I personally I think you can fight on with them. Because it's not like they yeah. bleed profusely. Okay, it, it doesn't look that normal. Do you think you normal, could have caught on with that one though last yeah. night? Do you? I, I, know I, I do. Off like that. Yeah. yeah. Every time he's in the clinch, they you it, risk him putting off completely. And, and even if it was to tear off, I just don't think it's much. I mean, the cauliflower is nothing but a hindrance to you. It's not going to affect his earring. Yeah, I just right. come on. That uh, a cauliflower is, is an ugly thing. You're probably. Probably best off without them anyway it, when they get that bad. The thing is, I think from the rest point of view, it depends, like, because it's a similar type of injury to when, um, what's his face? Um, Overeem, you know, when his lip tore across his face. Yeah. And it's kind of like, how bad is, as they continue to fight, how bad will the cosmetic damage get? Because the ears flapping off, is it going to pull off, like, more skin as it gets dragged down if he's got his head caught in a. No, so I think yeah, it's the, like, the, yeah, I, I think it wouldn't do that. So, no, yes, it would just be off. Yeah, so yesterday, I be right then because they just get in the way, don't they? Yeah, so after that, it's not that it's and it's not the start of a zip that's going to undo down the body or anything. Saturday morning, the whole face off. Like, <laughs> no, that's not going like Saturday morning, like pure coincidence. I was uh, I was flicking through Facebook while I was drinking my coffee. And then I came up with this video uh, and I showed Mick Foley from back in 1990. So this is a guy who used to do like a a really hardcore style of like WWF and all this sort of stuff. And they used to use barbed wire and, you know, all this stuff, which they used to do in the 90s. And he was doing this and he actually ripped his whole ear off. You see his ear just fall on the floor. And um, because the barbed wire got caught in his hair and just ripped it all off. So mm. I had seen that where the ear had literally popped off his head and he hasn't got an ear now. Um, and then obviously saw this then this morning whereby it was like the UFC wouldn't even show the replay after the first one because it was literally sort of from there down to about there just like flapping off. Mm. And I just thought, you can't continue then. Like, obviously I'm not a fighter, I'm not a coach. I've never been a fighter or a coach. So I'm looking at it from a different point of view than maybe you guys are. But like I just I felt like the if US... they'd carried on so I, I you'd risk perspective future damage. So oh. I keep talking over you. But I, I feel like they don't want to show like because it's it's still a sport at the end of the day. If they if it appears because I think like you'll see are gaining so many new fans at the moment. Like so yeah. many. Like because there's not a lot of sports going on like as a result of COVID. And um course, and yeah. UFC have kept flourishing throughout the whole thing. Like Conor McGregor, like my nan knows what UFC is now because McGregor, and I think you know when it was referred to as like human cockfighting and stuff like that, and now it's it's a very legitimate sport. I think they they try to when it gets so grotesque like that, they don't want to use that as a way of publicising fights. If you know what I mean, it's because casual fans will be put off from it. Um, But the you know those it is what it is. But I think that's why they, they didn't even show the repeats that much. But it's worth mm. showing because it's, it's, it's as real as it gets. But I think they're just trying to... They're, they're thinking about their new fans, I think, when they're... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can injuries like that. 
Yeah, I've actually been in the in the presence of a ear en- injury uh, to give you a little run back of how things used to be back in the day. But you know, we we needed a a cage to training and stuff like that. Um, and many of the gyms back in the early days, you know, crossing just over, you know. Around 2001 to 2005, it, not, not all gyms had a cage, and um, one of my friends was able to get access to one. It was actually that. Uh, remember Jason Kubiak? Did you, did you ever train with him, Rich? Jason no, Kubiak, got, Tom quite did, a good boxer. He, he was. No. He ended up retiring. I think he was like six and zero in the end. Um, you know, one of my students, um, and one of his friends uh, was friendly with a guy who owned a farm, and we set up a cage in a barn. No heating, raw as hell. Um, we used to go in there sparring, freezing cold in winter. And uh, Cliff Hall was sparring. Um, he's actually this other guy's a really good jiu-jitsu guy, although at the time was still learning his craft. His name was Steve McIntosh. Really, really very, very strong black belt uh, today. But um, never went down the MMA route because of what happened to him. But they were sparring in there. And back in that day, not everyone had access to normal MMA gloves either. And they was doing it in bag mitts. So Cliff Hall had the bag mitts on. And as he threw a shot and Steve tried to shoot in, the thumb caught him in the ear and ripped it completely down the centre back. So it was hanging on by just the top bit and the lobe. And so when we pulled his ear out, you could see right the way through it, it was um, hanging on by the top and the bottom. And that was not a cauliflower. That was just a complete normal ear being completely ripped away from his head and just literally hanging on. So when he had it stitched up, it looked really, really neat. And um, once it healed up, you would never have known that he had such an ear injury. But unfortunately for Steve, because like I say, he's a very, very good jiu-jitsu guy. Um, he could have definitely have made it as an MMA fighter, but that experience put him off. But yeah, that was that was quite something. What's the, uh, what's the, is that the most brutal injury you have either witnessed or been a part yeah. of that? Uh, in person, um, yeah, probably because I was there and I had to help him out and see see what because he, he went down holding his ear and we see the blood coming down his face. We're like, Oh, what the hell was that? And we thought it was a cut above the eye or something, but yeah, yeah. When, when we, you, Rich, have you seen, had or had or seen, sorry, Dan, have you seen or heard any uh, or be witnessed any uh, gruesome injuries? I think. I mean, the obvious one, I hate to keep bringing it up, but I think it's Tom's arm. Yeah. Because like like I said, an, an ear is cosmetic damage, but to lose the function of a limb is, is, oh, is a course. lot yeah, worse. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, mm. But, you know, and leg That's breaks happen after wrong. that. But, but like, mm. when bones break, they heal quite nicely. All you've got to do is stick them back together and the body does its... It's when you've got ligaments and tendons that are severed, as well as fractures. Along with that, it's... Um, I think that's horrific. Um, so I've, I've seen that injury before. Like I think it was um, one of the UFC heavyweights had a similar thing. Um, Shogun Hua had a similar injury. Um, but yeah, I'd yeah, say Tom's arm. It was that Brazilian guy, didn't it? Anderson yeah. Silva Shogun just Hua. broke his leg, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that was I mean, pretty that's gross. That's a common one in MMA, um, yeah, the t- leg breaks. Yeah, we yeah. shin to shin, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, and when, uh, when uh, Tom lower shin meets re- the top shin. Do you remember when Tom... Yeah, was training at a mortal gym, and the mm. guy did a scissor takedown, snapped his ankle. Yeah, yeah that's horrific. Dislocated, done his knee, and snapped his ankle clean with a scissor yeah. sweep. It was a, it was a spiral fracture. A jumping one. That the the break, it, the bone didn't go in half. The bone split going up the leg. Upwards. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's why he's got such a long plate that goes in. Pro, uh, so, uh, is, is how, how Tom Mans is walking. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, but that that unbelievable. Weirdly enough, that injury, which is more of a simple injury, bothers Tom more than the arm these days. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that was years back, and he was a younger age yeah. when that happened. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Right. Um, so we're going to move on to the the main UFC card. But just before we do, uh, I'd like to give a special shout out to Away Day Apparel. Uh, they sponsor the Danny Button Fight Show as usual. Support the channel massively, Danny. There, modelling uh, a blue right. and red T-shirt. They've got a lot of really nice uh, T-shirts and designs. Polo shirts, uh, in particular, looking real good. And I know they've got some massive plans for 2021. Unfortunately, with the COVID and everything, it knocked things back a little bit from some of their planned releases. But uh, the T-shirts and polo shirts and the hats and stuff they've got at the moment is superb. And uh, if you use the code AA Podcast Nation, you can get 10% off all orders. And, uh, and it's AA Podcast Nation, all lowercase, 10% off all orders. And uh, if you just visit awaydayapparel.co.uk. And uh, we thank them for sponsoring the show. But uh, yeah, so, good quality, good quality clothing, by the way. Actually. It is, um, yeah, I am. Yeah, it's I got a shirt for my father in law and uh, for Christmas, and it's beautiful, beautiful, mm. real good quality. Decent yeah. prices as well, I've got to say. Not extortionate. And um, they got some really nice custom T-shirts as well, um, based on like music albums and and things like that. Really, yeah, good good quality stuff, nice stuff. And the guy who owns it is uh, is a top top bloke, big Al. Um, okay, so first fight on the main card was Claudia Gadelia versus Yan Shaoyan. I think that's how you say her name. Richard will correct me now because he's much better at pronouncing names. Oh. Um, uh, Yan, I think it's Zhao Nan. Zhao Nan. Zhao Nan. Yeah, we'll just say Zhao Nan. That'll do. Yeah, Yan Zhao Nan, uh, Claudia Gadelia, uh, with Claude. Was it, no, Yan took the Yan took the victory by unanimous decision. 29-28-29-28-29-28 um, Me and Danny both called this correctly. Aaron. Last week, British predictions was massively wrong. Of course, me and <laughs> professional predictors. Um, Danny, what did you make of this fight, mate? Well, you know, I know you yeah. love women's fighters. I general. do, yeah. Um, Claudia actually really impressed me. She's clearly improved her striking. She's got a, a, a nice solid form. Was was countering really nice and stringing her attacks to get the double unders. And it was all looking very, very good. I was really surprised how she'd done in that first round. She definitely won that first round. Looked really, really strong with that double under pummels and, and getting the takedown. Um, but in the second round, she started to look like that, that may have gassed her out. She m- must have put in so much effort to try to you know, keep a hold of Yan and, and, and the fear of being back out at range. So although she's really improved her striking, maybe still there's some anxieties there. So, you know, maybe that took something out of her cardio, but can't take nothing away from Yan. Once she started keeping Claudia um, out of range and not allowing her to have those double unders, and by the time she did get those double unders, she was so tired she couldn't keep hold of it and, and be productive with a takedown attempt. Um, Yan started to take over with the... Uh, pace really and, and and the strategy change I think the fact that she started sticking behind her jab and then when the jab was landing she was following up with the one two you know the jab made it a lot harder to just come in because you're dominating center line so it's a much harder for Claudia to come in and get those double unders um yeah she's just started looking like she was just getting outrun um definitely got the skill set to have potentially beat yeah um because she, she showed that in the first round but 
the, the gas tank of Yan and the, the tenacity, she just stayed in there and stayed smart as well. So she wasn't being blindly panic, ruthless with her pace. No, she she started sitting behind a jab and she built from the jab to a jab cross. And, and when she was clinched up, she made it much harder for Claudia to stay clinched up. She she would uh, go with her back against the fence and then shift and move. She just didn't settle there. Um, I didn't like Claudia's choice of crutch lift. So when she was going double unders and, and she was struggling with that, she went for a crutch hold with head position. Now, the problem with, with that is it puts your arms under duress. I think I prefer the kind of control when you go for a crutch hold to pin your head across, <clears throat> diagonally across the body high. It helps you much have a much more efficient control of, uh, of someone. But um, So I wasn't a fan of that choice of control that she had because she, she lost control very, very quickly from there. Um, but, yeah, you can't take the away from Yan. I mean, she's absolute top prospect, and I think she's uh, – She's got nowhere else to go but to fight for that title. Yeah, and I I agree with you. I thought Claudia Gadelia was uh, she looked pretty good, but um, particularly in the first round. But Jan just kept her calm, and uh, from the second round, start the end of the first round, really to the right through to the end of the fight, took control of the fight and uh, looked yeah. really good. Richard, what did you make of this one? Yeah, um, really good fight. Um, closest round was round one. Um, it's in the classic sort of striker versus grappler. Uh, um, Yan, when when landing all the strikes, she sort of made it very known to all the judges. She was like, she key up a lot um, or shout. Yeah. You know what I mean? So she's like, hey, look at me. She's like, hey, hey. Every time she's hitting a jab, so she's very strategical. But I think a lot of fighters do that. Just elevates their spirit when they fight. Um, Gloria did good, but I felt like with her grappling, she was actually stalling a little bit uh i hate to be critical but because when they was on the fence she wasn't really doing any damage and i think yan was actually striking even though yan had her back on the fence she was quite comfortable there and she was striking yeah. and then round two is when yan really starts overtaking and I thought claudia's footwork was just really flat if you know what i mean and mm. claudia Static. can beat her i'm sure on a better day but she kind of looked like she went to bothered to be in there I, I, i've actually not seen either of these two fight before um but i'm, I'm well aware of claudia um yan first time i'd seen yan fight it's just not a division i've followed too closely um but she was just seemed really like under aroused by the fight just walking forwards nice form but um i just thought her footwork was a bit slow and maybe when she was engaging the clinch work just stalling a little bit so, yeah, I think she was actually. I think, yeah, I think it was a case that she was actually lost on what to do. Um, yeah, I, I just think the pace was being pushed hard, and when you start to to gas a little bit, although she held really good form, I think that disguised how tired she was feeling. Yeah. Um, you know, she she didn't have the same energy and vigor in the second yeah. or third round as she did in that first round. So I think. Um, yeah, she played poker pace well, but I think she was struggling <clears> with the pace. She she started to really lose out on the um, on the work rate of Yan. I think Yan got yeah. a good sense of that and she was able to start opening up with her strikes more and more confidently. Yeah. And yeah, you're right, Rich, you, was, you picked up on, you know, she was keying on, on all of our shot, shots because I think she was just getting confident mm. um, and, and really wanted to make that apparent, not just with the, the impact of the strikes landing, but the, the verbal as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I was impressed with Claudia, though. You know, let's not take nothing away from her. Definitely adding to her skill set. 
she, she, she was going to continue to be relevant in that division. And with the look of the increment of improvement on our striking, I think we're, we're going to see nothing but more good things from her. But she's, um, yeah, she, it just wasn't her night that night. It could be in future nights. But right now, all eyes are on that Yan and, and the potential shot at the title. And that's what I'd want to see next from Yan. Yeah, my, my problem with Claudia Gadelio is she is very up and down. So she came into the UFC in 2014. She beat uh, Tina Landemark by unanimous decision. Then she lost by a split decision to Jessica, uh, Joanna John Jacek. Then she beat Jessica Aguilera. Then she lost again to John Jacek uh, by a decision. Then she won two. Then she lost one. Then she won one. Then she lost one. Then she won two. Then she lost one. It's very... She never quite gets a run of fights going. Um, and you could argue that it's because every time she gets a win, they give her a big fight. Like every time she won, she they put her against your J-check twice. Then she fought um, Andrade. And then she fought uh, Ansaroff. So they give her like a big fight as soon as she wins one or two. But she needs to get that. Like previous to the UFC, she came into the UFC 12-0. and well, you're 11 and 0, and then she was 12 and 0. And then since she had that first loss versus uh, Joanna, that's where it's very up and down. So you never mm. quite know which Claudia Gadelia you're going to get. Um, yeah. But I, I think a lot of this in the women's divisions across the board, other than the few standouts that you've got, is it, literally because the whole women's fight scene is still relatively new and in evolution. And, and when it, I say evolution, even the fighters are in evolution as well. They're, they're, they're changing their skill sets. They're adding to their game like we saw with Claudia. Um, and so I think this is really, really hard for them to also make solid plans for each other because mm. you, you make plans for when they last fault and you see faults and, and holes and then it changes. And I think that's a little bit of what you're seeing as well. So that doesn't surprise me in any stretch. But for me, Claudia is still absolutely relevant. I think yeah. we'll still see her get her wins and I think you're still going to see her get her losses. I think that's the way the division is. But like I say, right now, the standout is, is, is Jan and the title holder and they have to meet and cross paths and one of them will be having a loss on their record because, uh, yeah, they don't leave nothing to nothing to um, be left as question when they fight. They both go out. Uh, man, that's, that, that's one fight I'm really going to be excited for. Indeed. Uh, next up was Giga Chikadezi versus Jamie Simmons. Uh, this one only lasted three minutes 51 with uh, Giga Chikadezi defeating Jamie Simmons via TKO strikes. Uh Richard, we'll go to you first. What did you make of this one? Um, yeah, really good fight. Uh, dominant from Giga. Like, really dominant. So, I, I didn't know much about him, but he's a glory kickboxer. And uh, the fight stayed in his game. Like, it, it was all stand-up. Um, and, yeah, it was brilliant. He was just really calm, composed for the whole fight. And he was throwing that body kick a lot. And it, it sounded horrible. And then... He just goes upstairs with the kick and he lands yeah. just on the top of the guy's head, puts him down and then follows up with some ground up hand. He's not out cold, but with the fight's finished, it was a good stoppage from Herb Dean. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed the fight. It's like, I like watching strikers when they when you get to see them strike well. And Jamie was trying to sort of grapple to slow him down, but it wasn't enough. He wasn't getting him down. He was just doing upper body clinch work, wasn't going for any um, leg attacks. Like, he perhaps should have gone for some leg attacks because 
because Giga uh, was doing really well off the fence, was sort of like nipping with an uppercut on the brakes. So I think it was smothering with the upper body and then maybe on the fence just to tap the legs because he needed to switch it up. But it wasn't a long round, so I don't no. think he was, Jamie was even able to sort of find out or figure out a, a plan, if you know what I mean. He just got, he got outclassed. Danny, for a, for a, someone who's predominantly kickboxing based, is having that height and reach advantage? He had a big reach advantage. Is that like a big benefit to someone? Yeah, skill set is I, that. Yeah, I was just going to say. I think what become, you know, Simmons' real issue was the fact that he was given away considerable height and considerable reach, and considerable skill set at that that striking range um, because he's being kept out long and it's so dangerous to be out there. Um, you have to sort of flurry your way in. You have to sort of engage some form of striking to come in. Um, and he just lacked the overall wrestling credentials. Um, you know, Richard picked up on the fact that, you know, he was no, unable to switch up to, to shoot in on the legs and stuff. I just think he just didn't have the wrestling capabilities, the diversity in that clinch to be able to try to trick uh, Giga down and keep him down. Um, yeah, I think from the get-go, I could see there was a a, a considerable level dif difference in their skill sets. And I knew it was a matter of time, really, before Simmons was going to get connected to. And, and he did. I, I was not surprised even, but, you know, I, I, was, I thought it might go to a second round. So that some of those entries for the takedown got a little bit more sloppy. But, you know, up against a world-class striker like that, when you get caught, you get caught, and it's going to be curtains very, very quickly after that. But um, I thought it was going to happen in the second round. But, yeah, they, they look two different levels. Um, Giga's looking really, really quite quite good, looking very rangy, looking very, very relaxed in there. Um, yeah, he's got to move up. He's got to move up those ranks. Yeah, nice, some nice, uh, nice body shots, as Richard said, and then uh, the kick, which obviously put him in the head kick. It made which... one hell of a sound, didn't it? Like, yeah, next up was uh, Rayoni Barcelos versus Khalid Taha. Uh, this one went all the way to decision, uh, with Barcelos taking the, the victory by unanimous decision 30 27 times three. Danny, you go first on this one, mate. What was uh, your opinion? Yeah, wow. Um, Barcelos was, was incredible. He, he's striking energy, um, and he's mix up of combinations. Um, he really took it to Taha. But Taha also impressed me as well. You know, this guy was getting lumped up with some from proper combinations, not even single hard shots. He was getting lumped up with sometimes three and four hit combinations. But his really tight form, I think, helped keep him in there as long mm -hmm. as he did. And and he was always absolutely relevant in the fight. Always looked like he, he could bring something about because he looked like he had good energy about him at all times. It's just that Barcelos was was just outperforming him, and, um, him in everywhere, every which way of the fight, really. He just had more energy on the feet for the striking. He had more energy regards to the takedown exchanges and the grappling exchanges. It just looked like he had more energy than Taha. Um, absolutely impressed. Barcelos really did look quite incredible there. Um, really liked the energy in his strikes, um, the jumping knee as well. Really well-timed jumping knees to the body and to the head. Um, beautiful to watch. I mean, they're quite hard to pull off, but he threw them uh, numerously throughout the fight and, and was making them count. So, you know, respect to him there. But you showed all-round capabilities there. Take down defence, take down attacks, strike an attack, strike a defence, and he fought in the pocket a lot with Taha. And fair play to Taha. You know, he made Barcelos 
look really good because he was able to stay in there and keep exchanging. There wasn't worlds apart in the level. And like I say, I feel like it, yeah, it made it really, really good. They, they, they were definitely, you know, well-matched in there together and they're absolutely right to have them matched up together. But to her come up a little bit short, um, Marcellus, incredible performance. Utterly impressed with what I saw, really was. Yeah, I thought um, Barcelos, particularly his timing and his uh, footwork were outstanding. Um, just the way he was changing the angles up for when Taha did start to get a bit of where he was coming from, he would just change mm. the angle slightly. And um, yeah, it was really good. His timing, absolutely. Was yeah, like every time he got in that pocket with those knees as well was beautiful. Uh, and you, when you talk about timing of things, where the IQ <coughs> part of it comes in, just as. Uh, Taha looked like he was trying to get a sense of what was happening and, and, and get any sort of like balance together to try to come in with something counter and try to develop something himself. As soon as you see that and any sign of his posture, um, he was having the leg taken away from him. And mm. um, so, you know, that was brilliant timing. You know, he wasn't overthrowing that shin kick. You know, sometimes when you throw that shin kick and you get some kind of a success, people start overthrowing for it and you can get set up. But he just threw it at the right times. He just was making himself very, very hard to read. Um, like I said, with those jumping knees and those hands that he was coming in with, it, it just made him all too much for Taha. Um, did well to yeah. last three rounds, mate, I thought. He did. He did absolutely do well to stay in there. Richard, what do you make of this one? Yeah, I loved it. Um, I've got this down as my personal fight of the night. Yeah, I, I thought it was brilliant. Um, and it, it could have only it could only have been fight of the night one because the the, the variety of strikes and, and techniques we've seen from Barcelos, but also because of how hard Taha is. Like the the fight was on a couple of occasions close to being finished, and um, yeah, man. So he didn't wait to stay in there. Um, but as I was look, watching the fight, I'm only watching Barcelos and all these techniques are thrown. I, I feel like he definitely had like a strong game plan coming in there. Must have studied a lot of Taha because he's um he was throwing a lot of strikes up through the middle. So he started mm. off with it with the front kicks. So I think he must have seen a weakness there and thought, ah, that's what I'm going for. Kept throwing the up kicks and he was really and he opened up with one and uh, he was close with that. He dropped in with the with a um, he threw through a few flying knees and dropped in with a like a lead knee, with a lead knee, and he it's crazy how quickly he gets the lead knee up there. So he's got like long legs on him. Uh, I was loving the, the, the car kicks. They were so well-timed that like on, I think, two or three occasions, the car kick put him to the mat completely. Uh, the ground game was amazing. Uh, so he, I, they go to ground because he, he had an awesome body lock takedown. So he gets the body lock and just whips him up off his feet onto his back. And then Taha did good to reverse it. And then straight away, Barcelos is setting up just such a beautiful armbar. Doesn't get it, but it was just non-stop action. And Taha done amazing to stay in that fight, but he he really was outclassed. Um, mm. And yet it was just it was just fight of the night for me. It was just so exciting. So, I loved it. Um, Barcelos is his overall professional record is sixteen and one. He's only ever lost once uh, in the RFA since he's come to the UFC. <laughs> He's five and zero, oh, and then um, he's had two fight of the nights. Um, he's also fought two different weights, but he um, he's looked impressive, including beating Said Namurga may not made off. 
uh, in his last fight on the Korean Zombie versus Edgar card in 2019, which was in Korea. Um, so it'll be interesting what they do with him now because he's come in and uh, he's really earned his stripes. He's come in, looked impressive, looked better with every fight, won two fight of the nights, beaten Saeed, um, beaten everything they've put in Is front that of him. Habib's brother, Saeed. Uh, I always get confused with which one's his brother and which one because no, there's there's a couple called uh, Namega Madoff who are not related to him, but then there's yeah. also one who's his cousin. Uh, his yeah. brother signed with Bellator. I know that much, but I forget uh, which one to which. Uh, I will tell you now though because I'm on his page. Uh, no, I think that's the one that's not related, not oh. related to Khabib. Um, but yeah, I, but in terms of Barcelos, it'll be interesting what they do with him next because uh, he's every question they've asked him, asked of him, he's answered with flying colours. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to see what he could do against a ranked fighter. Um, was this fight featherweight or bantamweight? It was bantamweight. I thought so, yeah. Because yeah. he's um, predominantly fought a featherweight before coming to the UFC. Um, so just looking at the bantamweight division like the lower ranked guys there's a couple of guys i wouldn't mind seeing him against you've got like song yardong at 14 uh marlon vera 15 cody stamen 13 and then you're up into the the mirab uh your dominic cruz at 10 i mean personally i wouldn't be against seeing him against the dominic cruz to be honest mm, but mm. i don't think dominic cruz takes that fight if i'm honest um I think he's probably got his eyes on above him rather than below, but you never know. Danny, anyone in particular you'd like to see him go up against? Just anyone between you know that that top fifteen to top ten. I, I want to see him start breaking through. Uh, he's he's done his legwork to deserve such things. So yeah, yeah that, that's all I can say. But what a stacked division it is, though. He's it's full of talent, full of talent in that, that division. But he's certainly one that's adding to it. Yeah, I'd like to see him. I, I, I would. I, if they're not going to get, if they wouldn't give him Dominic Cruz, which I would, that's the one I would really like to see. Um, like a song or a Marlon Vera would be pretty good. Um, I wouldn't give him Murab uh, Divashrali yet. I would save that fight because that is uh, that potentially down the road could be your two new stars, but we'll see. Uh, next up was uh, Andre Olovsky versus Tanner Bosa. Caused a little bit of uh, arguments on social media, as a lot of people seem to score it for Bosa. Personally, I had uh, had it all three for Ar Arlovsky, but uh, let's see what the experts say. Uh, Richard, what did you think of this, and how did you score the rounds? Uh, I want to be honest, <laughs> I, I didn't catch all of this one. Um, I watched the main event first, and then I was sort of halfway through watching this one. Back, so, yeah. I was just watching it, but... Um, it looks good, but I can't can't give the honest opinion on this. Yeah, so I'm, okay. I'm not going to make stuff up. Yeah, no, that's fine enough. Yeah. Danny, ask, ask Danny. Well, you, <laughs> right, uh, yeah, this was really hard to score because um, the end of the first and the second round ended with Velosky landing a really hard strike. Um, they were both fairly elusive. It was clear that they're both counter fighters, and so to fill in the gap of waiting for each other to, to, to counter each other. Um, Boza was just sort of chipping away at Olofsky's leg that did start showing a little bit of wear and tear on it. 
but nothing were, uh, regards those leg kicks were doing any particular damage. I think there was just literally feel-out kicks to try to yeah. create something that might come off them. Um, Oloski's, you know, he's well-experienced and he's not going to fall into temptation of a few irritating leg kicks to, to draw himself out into making a mistake. He stayed true to his form. Um, he kept really, really tight. Um, he was waiting for the big shot to try to create a finish, although that was never there in, t in its entirety. He did end both of those rounds where he looked like he ruffled the feathers of, Bo feathers of Bozo. And I think that's where he was perhaps edging those rounds because he made that little stamp, that little mark on the judge's mind. So I'm not surprised yeah. that the judges gave it to Oloski. If you want to do it blow for blow, hit for hit, yes, Bosa was the busier man regards those kicking of the legs, but they weren't consequential. Um, he was the one sort of dancing around a lot, um, not sitting down on his shots. There was a clear size difference to me as well. I, I actually thought Bozo was bigger than that. I've, I've seen him fight Bozo fight before, and he looked quite a big dude, but he didn't look very big against Olofsky. Um I have um, met Olofsky before, and Olofsky is a unit of a man. Really, really, he's um, about six foot three. Mm. So, so he's substantial in height, but really, really thick bodied as well. He's uh, genetically big, big guy. And um, I just think he, he was fearing the power of Oloski. So he should have, but it would have been nice to see Bozo. You know, he had a chance to try and make a statement there. And um, I think he lost his opportunity a little bit. I think he was too gun shy, but I think it was all for him to try to make an impression and, and take it to Oloski. Um, but like I say, Oloski just looks solid. Um, he took the centre a little bit more. He wasn't retracting away with his footwork. And I think that made Bozo look a little bit negative. Although he was doing the right idea with his footwork, he was not doing the right idea with his work rate. And I think that's initially what what gave Oloski the win, the fact that anything that was consequential being thrown was from Oloski. Yeah, I think um, Olofsky ultimately is an experienced campaigner and he knows the way the judges are going to score. Um, and kind of nothing leg kicks are not going to really win you the fight, whereas one or two consequential combinations will. Um, mm. In each round, Arlovsky had a consequential kind of uh, combination or some strikes which could have done damage, as opposed to, like you say, Tanabosa was quite negative or seemed quite negative because of the way... Arlovsky fought the fight. So I can see, you know, I gave all three rounds to Ar Arlovsky really for that. He had more consequential and substantial strikes, even though uh, uh, Bosa probably outstruck him in terms of numbers. But Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Bosa, uh, Bosa looks a little uncomfortable and twitchy. So, you know, that, that can also go against you but yeah what, what can I say it was a close fight there no, no two ways about that but uh yeah but Bozo just had too much too much respect for that power I mean you you've got to be in there and you've got to mix it up it's not like how it used to be you can't you can't just be playing a, um, a pure points game this is not semi-contact yeah. and really most of what Bozo threw was pretty much semi-contact especially with those leg kicks they were touching in but that, that's not enough to score you know you, you've got to stick some meat on your shots and um, mm. he either wasn't doing it through, through choice or Olofsky wasn't giving him a chance to do it because of the fear of those counter hands that Olofsky's got. Olofsky's very, very heavy handed. I would have liked to have seen Olofsky um, match Bosa a little bit more with the leg kicks 
yeah. um, and be a little bit more diverse because that was definitely close. Um, and, you know, other judges could have easily yeah. seen it the other way. Um, you know, if they was going to be, you know, clicking away and scoring each individual strike, Boza was winning on that front. But the fight itself was going in Olofsky's favour and, and Olofsky, for me, deserved to win and he did. So, I'm, I'm yeah, it, it, it went... The, and, and you're right, he's checking all of them leg kicks. He's checking them. Yeah. And, then, and, yeah. Like, and Bosa is like looking like the busier guy and he's throwing a higher volume of strikes, but he's covered. Olofsky's covered. Yeah. And strikes landing on the guard doesn't count for much. And then no, that's no, the end doesn't. Of the round two, he a cracking back fist. Yeah. So and, on, on, yeah. That, that, that scoring mechanism that they have where they shot the statistics for leg kicks and, and so on and so forth, that they're just doing the connected leg kicks, but not the fact that they'll be being checked or defended. Mm. If you have a look at um, Olofsky's knee line, it's almost perfect for MMA. He has a very forward um, poking uh, knee line which means you could receive the kick in a positive way to potentially counter. It's when people have a boxing or American kickboxing style where they have that lead foot and the knee angle, their knee line mm. cuts in. They're the ones that are susceptible to those leg kicks where it can buckle that knee across. But Oloski's got a very, very good, uh, almost like a Dutch uh, kickboxing style. And, and it gives you a really good solid knee line to, to counter leg kicks. And I think Boza felt the power of Oloski and felt the size of Oloski in terms of his presence and it was making him nervy in there. And so he started playing, trying to play this long range touching of the legs. I think had he tried to put power into any of those leg kicks, Oloski would have lumped up even more um, brutally than he did at the ends of those rounds where he was scoring. Yeah. yeah frustrating one for Bosa. It must've been frustrating for Bosa, but um, yeah, Lofsky is just a cool character, man. He's been in there a long, long time and amazing that he still looks as good as he did. Didn't he look out of breath at all at 41 years no. old. Utterly impressive. Indeed, mate. Yeah. Um, so the main event of the evening, which I thought was an absolutely cracking fight, um, only just the second, not quite the fight of the night because the other one was so good. Uh, Glover just took Sarah, ranked number three, defeated Tiago Santos, who's ranked number one. Uh, via submission, rear naked choke, one minute 49 of the third round. Um, but a very, very exciting fight. Um, Richard, what did you make of the main event? Brilliant. I loved it. Um, I thought Santos would win uh, just because he just got that freakish power. And it kind of looked like my prediction was going to be right at the start of the fight. Because he, he just clobbers him with just like the mallet hands, um, drops yeah. him. And I just thought, Glove has just done amazing just to, like, I don't know how hard he was dropped in in round one or if he was just more it was caught off balance. Um, but I had um, Texera winning that round. Like, after getting dropped, he just dominated it. Um, mm. So he recovered well, took him down, beat him up. Round two was the same. Um, in the last 10 seconds, he was really close to finishing him with the rear naked choke. Um, and... Round three, same again. Um, I was uh, I was quite interested how he how he got back to his feet because he was underneath for a bit eating. Texera was on the bottom eating um, ground and pound from Santos. Yeah, some some and, elbows coming up as well. Well, I was amazed how he got back to his feet. I, I I stopped it, watched it again, stopped it, watched it again. But he just somehow gets underneath, puts him to the fence, drags him back down, um, and then it was a rear naked choke finish. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm assuming that um, Santos, when I, 
I was just curious how he got back to his feet so easy. And it looked like Santos did pinch half guard. So when Danny's teaching us how to grapple, he says, you go half guard, you got to pinch your knees together to keep that bottom leg trapped in. And it looks like when he started again, um, just overexcited with the ground and pound, as he postured up, his knees were not pinching the leg into the half guard. And then that's how all of a sudden um, Texture just reverses the position. Um, but yeah, it was brilliant. I, it was good to see him go through like such adversity and then just turn it around completely. So yeah, yeah. On his head, age forty-one, and for a, for a second, I thought he was done in that first round. And then all of a sudden, he just kind of got up, and as he was getting up, he was getting punched and elbowed, and he was just kind of getting a powered up. And then by the by the end of the round, he had dominated it. Um, and I think that at the end of that second round. If it had gone on an extra 30 seconds, Glover took Sarah probably would have won because um, he had the rear naked choke or a choke on uh, at the end of the second round, I think it was, mm. um, as it ended. And then obviously he finished it off in the third round. But I thought utterly uh, impressive performance by Glover took Sarah. And we talked about off air before the show, like he deserves a title shot now, but yep. likely isn't going to get one anytime soon because... The light heavyweight titles, like we discussed earlier, is going to be Blauchvich and um, Adesanya in March, with the winner then taking on John Jones later in the year, which means the earliest Tuxera gets a light heavyweight title shot really is probably December of next year. Um, he's 41 now, Dan. Yeah. Um, do you feel for him a little bit in terms of the title? Yeah, he's, he's in an unfortunate circumstance really um, with what's happening in two weight divisions the two weight divisions are, are, are mixing up and um yeah it's gonna it's gonna be putting him in the waiting queue a little bit and yeah. you're right at his age he doesn't want to wait around he wants to get active he but look, this title shot mate as well to, to be in the kind of condition he's in he's obviously living a pretty clean life so yeah. um I, I don't think we're going to see a, a massive decrease in his physical capabilities um, I, I still think he's absolutely going to be relevant in, in another year's time if he chooses to be. Um, yeah, he's got two choices, really. Push to, to have another fight, which obviously is always a risk of, of then losing and then not becoming a, a, yeah. a, a contender and having to rebuild, which is sort of maybe going to be out of his reach at his age and not something he's going to be willing to do. Or he's going to have to be patient to see what happens. Mm. Um, yeah, really, really frustrating situation. He's on a five-fight win streak. In that five-fight win streak, he's beaten Carl Robertson via triangle. Then he choked out uh, Ayan Kuzalaba. Then he beat Nikita Krylov via decision. Then he absolutely destroyed Anthony Smith. If you remember, Anthony Smith's yeah, face was punched, just... He took his teeth right out of me. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, he's choked out Thiago Santos. He's on a uh, an amazing run. He lost Corey Anderson, and he before that he beat Mr. Sirkinov. He's beaten Jared Kanier, Rashad Evans. Um, he's beaten some names, and um, he deserves the title shot. And I feel for him, but like you say, to be in the shape he's in, he clearly lives a, a very clean lifestyle. So hopefully, the title shot comes to him before he gets to a point where he's on the downward curve. He doesn't mm. seem like he's on that downward curve that, that fighters tend to get as they reach a certain age where they, you know, they just become slower, don't they? And, and 
Um, they still got the skill, but their chin weakens and whatnot. He, you know, he took some shots in this fight um, and still turned it round. How impressed were you with his performance? Yeah, I was. I mean, you know, come on, Santos is is a, is a powerful young dude that, that comes and he, he he just throws it all out there, and and he did that, and it was looking really really dodgy for Tuxera. But this is kind of like how I saw it. Really, it was a case of was he gonna overpower Tuxera um, early on, or was Tuxera gonna gonna use his full MMA skill set? And mm. um, and find a strategy to win, and and it was the latter that that come to fruit. Look, um, Tosiro to me impresses me. He, he can strike really well. He can push really close with his boxing, um, so I like that about him. He's got takedown capabilities, and his grappling well is clearly second to none in this weight division. He, he's got a um, he, he's top pressure. He, he's got it down really really well. Um, with what you were saying, Richard. Um, so the the difference between the way. Uh, Tuxero was doing his top half guard position compared to uh, Santos, and the reason why you know Tuxero was able to keep the, the position pinning down, um, he, uh, Tuxero was using his forearm under the chin a lot yeah. as his main control. So this keeps the spine flat, and when the spine's flat, your back goes flat to the mat pretty much. You know, even if you was able to get a far side um, under pummel, you're going to be unable to set up because you need to be able to curl your spine and put your head close to the hip to be able to come up. Now, when uh, Santos had his top <clears> half guard <throat> position, if you have a look at the way he was ground and pounding, he did the forearm across the chin to put uh, Tuxera's back flat, but then struck with that arm. And not only did he strike with that arm that was keeping his back flat, he also posted his other arm that should have been controlling the hip and keeping the under pummel. He posted it completely flat off the floor which meant that he, he totally allowed um, Tuxera to come up to his side. Now, if you give someone of that capability and that grappling experience space to sit up and get an under pummel, they will, and then use their wrestling to, to bowl you over in reverse position. That's absolutely what we saw there. We just two, two, saw two different people's levels on the ground, one demonstrating the half guard in a proper, meaningful way. Um, in terms of MMA and getting the ground a pound off, keeping the position tight compared to Santos's getting the ground a pound off in a way where the position was loose. Um, yeah, uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I, I really do like Tessera. I want to see things happen for him while he's young enough to do so. Uh, I just hope he don't wait too long. But it does look like with what's going on in two weight divisions right now, that he's kind of going to be left out in the cold a little bit. But mm, yeah, I would like to see him fight Rackets, I think, would be the one I'd probably put him yeah. in. He's a risk, yeah. isn't it? But you that know is. what? And Tiago Santos, right? Guys, no mug. Some of the names he's beaten are unbelievable. He's beaten Marshman, uh, Mirshat, Hermanson, Anthony Smith, mm. Kevin Holland, Eric Anders, Jimmy Manua. He beat J the current champion, Jan Blauchowicz. Um, and then he's lost to John Jones, and Glover Texera most recently. Uh, he also lost David Branch back in 2018. But he has beaten some big, big names. Um, Elias Theodorou, uh, yeah, you know, he's beaten some big names along the way. So for Glover Texera to, to get flawed early on and then turn the fight around completely, I think he deserves tremendous credit for that. To be able to have the fight IQ, the the composure, to to not panic, to get up, eat the strikes while he's getting up, and then completely dominate the fight, and then choke out a guy like Santos, 
unbelievable. Um, and I really, really enjoyed the fight overall. I thought it was amazing. Um, but yeah, I think Rakic would probably be the one that I put him against. Um, just have a look at that light heavyweight division. Like he can't go a whole year really without fighting, can he? So he's gonna have to fight someone. You got yeah. Rakic, rank four. I don't want to see him fight Dominic Reyes. Maybe an Ozdemir or a Fushaka. Those would probably be the three I'd be looking at. I don't want to see him face Reyes. Really, um, I, I'd say I'd rather see him fight Reyes. I just think I, I know Reyes, Reyes is, apart. Yeah, I, I I think so too. But purely just because it'll keep his tool Title. set sharp. Yeah, yeah, and, and keep him in contention. Um, I, mean, I would expect a, him to win. A rematch that, versus. Um, uh, and, a guy and, of that age, Smith. yeah, no, that that's not going to be good for Smith. Smith, Smith I don't think would take it, or you shouldn't take no. it. Smith, Smith needs to. I did well for one. I think Smith needs to go down to middleweight. Mm. I just think he needs to 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 create some attention in another division and, and restart himself. Um, but for Tessera, I think Rakic is, is too risky. Just too risky. He should be fighting a guy like that for the, for the title, not not to. Not to just keep himself over, yeah. being sharp. Yeah, that that's one that he really could lose. Um, I just want to see this. Just yeah, that's that, yeah, that, that that's Ratchet. another possible matchup. But um, yeah, Don't I just like want to see this guy, guy. I just want to see this guy get what he deserves, and that's that that top shot at the title. Um, he's done that leg work. He's fighting everyone. Come on, this Santos is a dangerous, dangerous opponent. And you just listed off some of the guys that he's ran through, and he's looked damn impressive. And, and okay, he had a sticky moment in the early part of that first round. But other than that, he's pretty damn dominant. Pretty damn yeah. dominant. And it just goes to show you what, what kind of caliber, you know, he, he really, really is. And I just want to see what he gets, what he deserves. And, and, and that's to get that title shot. And to have a fight in between, I'd want him to have one that's not, more, that's like, more not likely going to, be, going to win. Yeah, and I don't even mean to give me fight because he's at a level where, where you know, if he fights any of those guys on any given day, he could lose. But I think Reyes, he could absolutely beat Tuxera if he's if he's got his form set down. But stylistically, Tuxera could also really have Reyes's number. I just think that fight is attractive for me, and yeah. I feel like that would be fair to his position of waiting. Yeah, I think so. Anyone in those rankings? So, I sorry. do. Yeah, I was just saying it seems to sort of really, uh, it keeps, you know, when the, a lot of these fighters go for champ champ status, it, it seems to put yeah. a whole division on hold for a bit. Like, I remember, yeah. like, Connor had, had featherweight division on standby, and it, was, it don't seem to be right. And like, just because you're champion of one division, does it mean you should, when you go up a category, get the first title shot? Or because you maybe should fight, you earn your spot to fight for the belt in the next division up. You can't. Yeah, just go I think the, the only belt. reason that Adesanya is going straight for the belt is because they're trying to set up, make that John Jones fight even bigger, aren't they? So yeah, he can say yeah. that he's been the light everywhere champ. But I think that's the only reason he's mm. doing it. Myself, yeah. I don't the, think he's the, particularly the interested the, like, in it. Fighters are fighters, and they have to fight to make their money. That's their job to do so. Mm. And um, and and UFC, regards being a company, is all about earning as much money as they can by creating. The biggest fights, you know, big big yeah. fights, and 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 that is the nature of the sport. And you you either go with it or you don't go with it. You either got mm. going to be in it and, and deal with these these difficult situations. And 
the situation is what it is. They do come about from time to time. And for some people late in their career, like Tassira, they come at a sort of a potentially bad time. But like I say, there are options for him. I hope UFC respect about- his position and, and give him someone that's not going to jeopardise. Uh, yeah, big, big. what about I don't want him then, What about... Yeah, Tuxera versus Rakic for the interim like heavyweight title and that's then the winner, winner gets the champ. Yeah, that, that's more attractive and that might sell it to 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 Sekira more. I think that that gives it a little bit more guarantee more title shot yeah. Then, yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's a little bit You're more basically uh, t- a title shot, isn't it? And you know, I, I take it that their payday will be, be better because like I say, yes. ultimately these guys are doing a job and at his age he wants to try, be trying to um, not only get hold of that title, but he wants that title for monetary gains so that he can look to have a, a, a nice retirement on his hands. And this guy deserves it. Uh, like I say, I'm a big fan of him. He always conducts himself really, really well. And he really showed his character when he was beating on Smith. You know, he was literally apologising for, for having to hit him. I mean, that just goes to show a little bit of, of character. But luckily, you know, he knew it was a job to do and he carried on doing his job, even though that he felt bad for the guy that he was given the beat down on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so a couple of little things I wanted to ask you about. Uh, some Cage Warriors fights were announced. Uh, Luke Shanks defends his title versus Jake Hadley. <clears throat> what a fight that is uh, on December the 10th, I think it is. What do you make of that one, Dan? That's a big oh, fight. Yeah, this is, this is this is one I wouldn't want to, you know, be putting my money down on, on, on any one of them winning. Luke Shanks is either going to, um, you know, out, out cardio all the way. I don't, when I say out cardio, I don't think he's going to get heavily tired, but, um, you know, just his work rate will win through uh, mm. over five rounds or, or potentially, you know, Hadley's just going to be too strong in, and, and, and shut Luke Shanks down so he can't get that work rate off. And I think that's what it's going to boil, boil down to. Hadley's got the power and he, he's, got, he's, he's got pretty good wrestling credentials and he could sort of stamp out the flame that Luke Shanks brings. But if he doesn't get control of someone like Luke, he's going to keep punching. He's going to keep kicking. He's going to keep shooting. He's going to, he's going to harass you and, and just outpoint you. And uh, yeah, what a both, matchup. Both guys were seriously impressive on the last trilogy card. Just gone. Yeah. So it's really exciting to see them against each other. Um, yeah. Another one which was announced, uh, Richard, was Sam Creasy versus uh, Adam Ar- Armasinger, which I think is another cracking fight at uh, yeah. flyweight. Does that one, uh, what do you make of that one? Do you think that's going to be a good fight? Yeah, um, that'd be a really good fight. Uh, I think Creasy's going to try to close his distance. Um, he seems to circle a lot of his footwork and he seems to fight on the outside. Um maybe look to grapple and get uh, Amazing down because I don't think he should strike with him personally. Mm. No, Amazing yeah. has been very impressive last couple of fights. Mm. Um, so, and Sam admittedly himself said to us, Dan, didn't he, that he felt a bit mm. rusty at the last Cage Warriors. Um, Amazing is not someone which you can afford to be kind of off your game with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that, Sam, Sam can beat anyone. Um, when when he gets everything in tune and everything works well, um, but Amazing is one of those ones. If you've got a micro fracture in your game on that night, he's going to find a way to to expose that. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, it, it is. It, if Sam's on song, he, he could be ahead in every area. But um, like I say, if he, he just misses a beat anywhere, that's a round that he's going to keep dropping to Amazinger. So, yeah, a, a real, real good matchup. I mean, it's, again, it's another one I wouldn't want to put my money on who, who's going to become victorious in that. I want Sam to win, obviously, because I've got history with him and he comes down to our gym and trains and you know, I've got um, you know friendship with him. And so for that reason, you know, I'll, I'll be cheering for him. But Amazon yeah. has absolutely impressed me. The last number of outings, he's, he's, he's clearly working really, really hard to improve his skill set. And he fights with, with, with IQ, you know, that impresses mm. me. Um, so I'm going to ask you... At the it is, mm. yeah, you're right there, Richard. Um, just to finish this off, I'm going to ask you for a couple of predictions for UFC next week. Not going to go through all the fights, but we'll go through a couple. Uh, so Reese McKee is fighting versus Alex Morono on the prelims. Um, Danny, do you think Reese gets the win there? Oh, sorry, say so, so that again. Uh, Reese McKee versus Alex Morono. Yeah, yeah, I, I think, yeah, Reese McKee, I think he's going to have this one. It's a and, better fight uh, for him than Steph. Oh, my God. A absolutely. And I feel like this is, you know, I'm glad UFC uh, have done this. It's, it's still not a walk in the park. I mean, no. But no, it's, it's not a walk in the park. But him up, didn't they, with the um, late, late fight versus um, Chimaev? They did, but I think it was all about look. Hey, come on, take take this fight, fill in this spot, and you've got yourself a UFC contract. Yeah, many, many. I think practically anyone that hasn't been in UFC before, uh, they all want to head there, and and yeah. they would they would they would bite on that opportunity, and he did. Um, what happened happened. He has to just put that in the past. It wasn't a good representation of his skill set and his capabilities. Everyone knows that. We all saw through the situation that he was put into. And um, hopefully now he's got his foot in the door, he can start showing what he's really capable of. And I think he will do that. Indeed. Uh, Richard, do you think Reese McKee is going to take that one? Um, I can't give you the most educated like guess because I've actually not seen Moreno fight, but I want McKee to win because um, he's fighting... He's, from the same circuits me and my brother fighting on and to see him go on and dominate in the UFC would be great because then he knows that we're all on the right path here. Um, mm. He could do it by knockout because Reese has got great boxing um, and I see on Moreno's last fight he was knocked out uh, yeah. in round one. So let's say Reese McKee, KO. Um, this is an interesting card, this one, because um, on the pre on the prelims, there's um, some some really good young names on there. In the female division, you've got um, Corey McKenna fighting, you've got Kay Hansen, uh, Ashley Yoda, Miranda Granger, you've got um, Reese McKee, you've got Louis Smoker, um, Geraldo De Freitas Jr., Tony Gravely, some, some kind of like uh, some potential big names there. So I'm be interested in those prelims, Dan, next week. We'll have a good look at those, I think. Yeah, um, okay, yeah, we can look at them. And then on the main card, I'm not, again, not going to go through all of them, but you've got um, Eric Anders fighting Antonio Arroya. Um, any preference for that one, Dan? Uh, not really. <laughs> I'm going to um, go with Eric Anders for that one. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go opposite just to, to, to make it a mix, but that, that's so hard to pick. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, the main event is uh, Islam Makachayev. Oh, sorry, Rich. Who are you going to go for with uh, Eric Anders and Antonio Aro Arroyo? Eric Anders. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Eric mm -hmm. Anders. 
Uh, main event is Islam Makachev versus Rafael Dos Anjos. Danny, I'll let you pick first this time. I'm going to go Ismail. Dos Anjos, to me, he makes, he's been making errors. with. He gets put up against the, the fence and, and gets taken down there. He goes, goes linearly backwards and, and he doesn't seem to be correcting it. And I think if, if any smart fighter has been watching that, they'll, they'll know the recipe to, to beat him. Mm. Um, yeah, so yeah, I'm going to go against him on that one. Yeah. I'm going to go Islam. I, yeah. I, I think um, Islam Makachayev Islam. will win. Yeah. But uh, obviously I'll go with Rafael just to keep it interesting. Um, mm. And Richard, who you got there? Islam Makachayev or Rafael Dos Anjos? I'm saying Islam because he's, he's got the momentum on his side. Um, Dos Anjos can do it, but... It's just it doesn't it doesn't look like it's been his time for the last couple of years. Mm, yeah, I agree. Um, and there's a couple Islam of guys got one win, one loss on his record, and and uh, Sanders is kind of coming off a string of losses. He got that his last win against Kevin Lee last year, but had two losses since then. Mm. So, there's a couple yeah. of guys to keep an eye on uh, next week. Dan Abdul Razik Al Hazan. Um, uh, I've heard he's quite tasty. Uh, he's fighting Chaos Williams, so that should be a good fight to watch. Um, or Eric Anders, and um, then you've got Julian Marquez versus Sapperberg Safarov. Um, so I'm gonna ask you pr- to predict that one because I'm sure you're familiar with both of them. So it's mm. Julian Marquez versus Sapperberg Safarov. Yeah, I, I'm gonna go uh, Sekarov. Let's go, go for that one. Yeah, I actually think I'm going to go with Marquez for that one. Really? And, uh, yeah, I don't think that at all. I think Safarov is going to win, but yeah. just for the sake of uh, the either or. Richard, lastly for you, Julian Marquez or Safarov? Mm, it's just a guess. Um, uh, Safarov, because Danny called it. <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's a genius about him. The, 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 the BST guru. Even though, um, even though I beat him at chess, by the way. Uh, <laughs> explain the circumstance. I, I take my queen off the board. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I've I've beat him. Him. I beat I, I, him. And, and, and he nearly lost. He nearly <laughs> no, lost that no, game. No, he didn't nearly <laughs> lost. I beat him decisively. Back in the middle corner. <laughs> check. Check. <laughs> Um, I am really looking forward to that Chaos Williams versus uh, Al Hassan fight though next week. I think that's going to be mm. a very uh, that's exciting a cool name. Fight. That's like a that's his actual name, right? Chaos. Yeah, Chaos with a K. So he doesn't yeah. even need a fight name, does he? Like, no, Chaos, that's does he? beautiful. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> but, um, I, do, I, I do think that's going to be probably the fight to look out for. Um, right. But yeah, interesting. Um, guys, you can follow the show at. Danny Button FS on Twitter and Instagram. Subscribe youtube.com slash ace podcast nation. Check out Away Day Apparel at awaydayapparel.co.uk. And you can use the code AA Podcast Nation to get 10% off all orders. Uh, so as you come up to Christmas, get some stuff from them because uh, they've got some real nice stuff. Uh, Richard, where can people follow you on the socials? Um R underscore Merns. You can see some nice pictures of me in my Vail Tudor shorts. 
Oh, uh, hey, do you know yeah. what? Because it's coming up, because this is coming up for Christmas, Richard. I'm actually going to get you a present, and I'm actually going to tell yeah. you what it is, so that the audience know. Don't worry, I'm going to buy you some regain for that patchy mm. beard of yours, that patchy stubble. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, then. If it works, I love it. But it's worse, I'm, hoping it, I'm hoping it spreads everywhere. It's just a chore. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it spreads around your face and down to the nutsack. <laughs> <laughs> Make my life so much easier. There you go. Richard, thank you, mate. It's been a pleasure as always. Thank you. Thanks and, for having uh, me on. I'm sure you'll be back soon. And uh, Danny, as always, it's, it's an honour. Danny, I'm, I'm going to buy you be. a Christmas present. I'm going to buy go you on, a tell me. pair of glasses. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's nothing wrong with these ones. They're £1.50 really from, uh, oh, what is it called? Oh, cop. In the garage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I and don't spend a lot of that gap there. Ah, my parents always keep going on about you got to get your tooth done, got to get your tooth done. But uh, I keep threatening to get an LED in there, one that flashes all different colors. And uh, <laughs> yeah, that'd be wicked. That'd be wicked. Yeah, yeah, right. cheers, guys. See you next week. Yeah. Podcast Network.